Thanks for listening to the Light Church Podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. We pray that the Lord would speak to you through His Word. For more information, you can visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Today we're going to dive straight into the message, and then we are going to have an extended time of worship on the back end as we... Uh, endeavor to grow in our discipleship, but then come before the Lord. And so I'm going to open straight up. We are in week four of our preaching series, which is on the Ten Commandments. And so if you've got a Bible with you, you can open to Exodus chapter 20. And I'm going to dive straight in in verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through to verse 17. Then God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of things in the heavens or above or in the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, bringing the consequences of the father's inequity to the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Remember to keep the Sabbath day holy. You are to labor six days and do all of your work, but on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or your alien resident who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. Honor your father and mother so that they may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. Do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servants, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. As I mentioned before, we are in a series on the Ten Commandments, looking at this law that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, the Ten Commandments begin not actually with a commandment, but rather with a declaration or an affirmation. In Exodus 20, verse 2, we read, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Last week, we learned about the name of God and the power in God's name. We learned that God calls himself in this moment in human history. He refers to himself as Yahweh. And he says that all generations will be calling me Yahweh going forward. And what he's saying before he gives us the law, before he goes into the list of the Ten Commandments, he's saying, I am Yahweh, your God, an affirmation and a declaration That phrase, your God, is the language of of covenant. It's the language of covenant relationship. The point being that God, who gives us the law, so you could refer, refer to him as the lawgiver, he establishes relationship with us before he goes ahead and starts speaking the Ten Commandments. Which means that keeping the law is not the basis for this relationship. You see, God does not say, hey, Keep the law so that you can have intimacy with me. Rather, keeping the law is the way that we dive into deeper relationship and intimacy. 
Their relationship is not started because we obey the law, but rather we grow in intimacy and connection to God as we keep the law. What we learn from the Ten Commandments is that God, the God who speaks this law, God the Father, He sees our bondage, He hears our cry for release, He feels our suffering, and He comes down to set us free. The Ten Commandments is not a list of rules and things that we need to do or hoops that we need to jump through so that God can love us. Rather, it's an invitation to freedom. In the Ten Commandments, God is actually setting us free from something and free for something. He's setting us free from oppression and slavery, and he's setting us free for relationship, intimacy, and wholeness. So let's ask the question, why the Ten Commandments? And the reason we are given the Ten Commandments in Exodus is to protect and enhance the freedom that God intends for us to have as believers, not to confine us or rule over us or lord over us, but rather to give us freedom. Yahweh, God, he speaks the Ten Commandments to God and to nurture this new quality of life that sets us free. In the first commandment, we learned that we are set free from lesser gods who always turn out to be non-gods. In the second commandment, we are set free from the false concepts of God. Last week in the third commandment, we saw that we are set free to call upon his name and have access to the power that, in his, that is in his name. And for today, this week, week four of the Ten Commandments, we see that in the fourth commandment, we are set free from one of the, what is one of the biggest obstacles to intimacy with Jesus, which is an unsustainable pace. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, this is the command for week four. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. According to the prophets in the Old Testament found in scriptures, there is no clearer indication that a disciple of Jesus is actually living into this newfound freedom that is on offer to us than when we obey the fourth commandment. Or we could say that differently, there is no clearer indication that you are, are obeying the first commandment, which is do not have other gods besides me, than when we obey the fourth commandment of remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Wow. Because one of the clearest indications of what is most valuable to you and me is how we spend our time. How we spend our time actually reveals to us what our, where our true allegiances lie. In Exodus 20 verse 8 we read, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days, do all your work, but then the Sabbath day, seventh day, it is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Friends, the fourth commandment tells us two things about ourselves. Firstly, it tells us that God has built into us a rhythm or a particular rhythm of time. It is the so-called sabbatical rhythm of time. Darrell Johnson, in his excellent book on the Ten Commandments, calls it the six plus one. Six plus one. This is built not in, only into the fabric of creation itself, as God created for six days and rested on the seventh, but it's actually built into the very fabric of our bodies. It's built into the very fabric of our psyches and into the very fabric of our souls. Because we were not created to handle pressure, tension, and stress day in and day out. We, if we do that, we will burn out. But on the flip side, 
this rhythm of creation, this rhythmic pattern, the six plus one, also tells us that we were also not created for constant leisure because we will bore out. We are sabbatical creatures, creatures who work and who work hard, but we also must stop. We must stop every seventh day to rest, to reflect, and to worship. And to violate this rhythm is to violate our essential nature as human beings. It's actually to do violence to God's good creation. In the fourth commandment, our maker, God himself, he is saying, and I quote Daryl Johnson here, I am revealing a mystery, one you would never have figured out on your own. You, must, you are built in such a way that wholeness is experienced in six plus one, this rhythm of creation. Secondly, we learn in the fourth commandment that our ultimate worth is, as human beings is not found in our work, however worthy that work might be. Our ultimate worth is found in a person, in a relationship with the living God. So in order for us to keep from ruining our lives by idolizing our work, God calls us to stop and to get in touch with our eternal value to regain our eternal perspective and to reroute our lives in the eternal life of God himself. Because our worth, our significance, and our identity is not found in our work or in our ministry or in any other activity in life. Our worth, our significance, and our identity is found in a person, and that person is Jesus. Now, if you've been around Light Church for any amount of time, you would know that this is one of the values that we have, a value of making sure that we observe the Sabbath. And we've actually spoken a lot about the Sabbath over the years at uh, Light Church in a whole. In fact, quite recently in the series on the trellis, we spoke about the practice of work and Sabbath or work and rest. And so I'm not going to spend the time today rehashing stuff that we've kind of recently covered. If you want to find out more about the theology behind the Sabbath and why God actually invites us into a Sabbath and the whole uh, purpose, deeply, which is deeply theological behind the Sabbath, then I would recommend that you go back and listen to some of our past teachings, particularly the one in the trellis series on work and Sabbath, which we finished up at the end of 2023. And so rather than talk about that, I want to talk about the invitation to freedom that the Ten Commandments as a whole offers us but particularly zoning in on the, the invitation to freedom that is given to us in the fourth commandment when referring to the rhythm of our week and the rhythm of our lives. Daryl Johnson, again, in his book, That You May Live, he talks about the concept of six plus one, and he calls this the rhythm of wholeness. And I love that language as he talks about the idea of obeying and practicing the fourth commandment, which is observing the Sabbath, he gives us this beautiful phrase, the rhythm of wholeness. And the main idea is that we would avoid burnout, but we would also avoid apathy by faithfully living at a sacred pace over the long haul as we follow Jesus. Now, you can probably tell from my accent that I am not from uh, America. Uh, if, you, if we've had the privilege of meeting or you know me, uh, I am from South Africa. And in my hometown on the east coast of South Africa, there is a marathon, a, a running race that is incredibly popular worldwide. It's, it's called the Comrades Marathon. 
And the Comrades Marathon is an ultra marathon, approximately uh, 88 kilometers. It varies year by year, but about 90 or so kilometers, which is about 55 miles, which is run annually in my hometown province of KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. And it happens between the cities of Durban, and, which is on the coast, and Pietermaritzburg, which is inland. And it's actually, in fact, the world's largest and oldest ultramarathon race. It has 23,000 entries every year. I remember as a child, um, I've had the privilege of always living along the uh, Comrades Marathon route. No matter where I've moved and in my life, we always seem to be really close to the route of this marathon. And it, the whole country kind of pauses. It always happens on a public holiday, so no one goes to work. And in fact, you can't really... And if you live in KwaZulu-Natal, you actually can't go anywhere other than walking around your streets because the streets are closed. And I have these memories of sitting on the side of the road and cheering for the runners as they run past. And everyone runs with their name on the front of them. So you'd be shouting out people's names and handing them water or juice or bananas or whatever they need. And my wife, Caitlin, she gets super into it. And she actually takes like... Uh, I'd like massage oil cream and like if someone gets a cramp on the side of the road she's like rubbing their legs and uh, it's, a, it's a whole community a whole like society coming together for this beautiful race but the reason I tell you that is because there is something that is really important that happens during this race at the beginning of every marathon what happens is people find the pace setters and because this is a really long race that has a 12-hour uh, window to finish People find for themselves a pace setter that is uh, hoping to finish the race in a certain amount of time. So if you're fit and you've trained and you think that you can finish the race in eight hours, what happens is, is there would be a man or a woman who has a flag attached to their back and there should be some pictures that come on the screen now. And uh, it would be labeled eight hours or nine hours or 10 hours and you would find your bus, it would be called, and you would run along with a pace setter which would be in line with your ability to finish the race. And the idea is that if you stay with that pace setter, not running too fast or too slow, if you actually stay with the group, you will be able to finish the race in the desired time. In such a long race, it would actually be a mistake to align yourself with someone who runs much slower or someone who runs much faster, because you would either not achieve the time you want or you would be running at too fast a pace and you will not actually be able to finish the race. Now, in some way, we need to let the way of Jesus come into that framework. In the same way, we need to let the way of Jesus be the pace setter of our lives. You see, our goal as disciples of Jesus is that we want to follow Jesus and live the lifestyle of Jesus. Simply put, we want to live out the way of Jesus in our lives as we desire to be his disciples and follow him. Now, living the way of Jesus is not just about observing his message. It's actually taking on the lifestyle of Jesus and following the example that he set. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we see that Jesus was never in a hurry and he was never overwhelmed trying to solve all of the problems and heal all of the sickness and, and do all of what he needed to do. In fact, we see in Scripture that Jesus himself only did what he saw the Father doing. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Now, Jesus could have healed everyone. 
He could have solved every problem. Uh, he, he is God. He could have done that. But in fact, he actually chooses to submit himself to the will of the Father and run at the pace that the Father sets for him. See, friends, in life, we can avoid burnout and apathy by listening to the Spirit and living at the pace that he sets for us. The problem is that in each of our contexts, there is usually a default pace that we are expected to run at. As a society, we face an overload or being overloaded in almost every facet of life. We are plagued by activity overload, change overload, choice overload, commitment overload, debt overload, in, uh, decision overload, expectation overload, and even fatigue overload. And this can cause in us at times and to overreact and to shrink back from the invitation of taking on any kind of meaningful responsibility in life, particularly in the mission of Jesus. So the question that needs to be asked is, how do I pour myself out for something that really matters without burning out? So then the solution is not to shrink back, but actually to find the correct pace, which brings us to the fourth commandment. Honor the Sabbath day. Observe the Sabbath. Work for six days. Rest for one. John Tyson, he teaches us that there are three different paces that we can align our lives to. The first being a fatal pace, the second being a complacent pace, and the fourth being a sacred pace. Let's look at each one of those in turn. First up, a fatal pace. When we run at a fatal pace, we are running after something at a speed so fast that we cannot sustain it. The motive for this is often efficiency and control in response to being overwhelmed by the demands of life. We can often react to uh, overwhelmed by taking the posture of do more, try harder, be better, just keep going. And underneath this is often a sense of drive and ambition that in the end causes us to stress out as we maximize everything so that we end up living uh, with undisciplined desire to achieve and perform and have high levels of responsibility or pursue perfection. Jesus addresses this in the scriptures when he talks about a pagan pace. He actually calls the fatal pace a pagan pace. He says, so don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. The fruit of living at a, at a fatal pace is burning out or being depleted or living an empty life. Thomas Merton, he puts it this way. He says, to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence. John Tyson says, we say we want peace in this world and do not want to live a violent life, but by living at a fatal pace, we are doing violence to our souls and to those around us. Jesus says in Matthew 16, For what will it benefit anyone if he gains the whole world, yet he loses his life? Or what can anyone give for ex in exchange for his life? See, Jesus here is actually highlighting the worth of the soul. This idea of freedom. There is nothing we can gain, not even with noble causes like justice and mission, that would be worth sacrificing the soul. Many people, friends, are collapsing at the pace that they are set for themselves in pursuit of gains. So we must be careful not to underestimate the formative power of running at the pace of the pagans at a fatal pace. 
In John chapter 6, Jesus says, Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set on him a seal of approval, an invitation to follow Jesus. Next, we talk about a complacent pace. Now, this is oftentimes an overreaction to living at a fatal pace. We talk about this idea of Sabbath and of rest, and the knee-jerk reaction to the pace of society at large can actually be the complete wrong uh, direction and head towards a complacent pace. As an overcorrection to the fatal pace, we step back and we just take it easy. We seek to escape the overwhelm and demands of this world and we pursue comfort as an idol. The complacent pace also manifests itself in the obsession with balance or making uh, the quest for a balanced life an idol. John Ortberg, he says, in our time, the great quest for a balanced lifestyle is a great quest for the balanced lifestyle. Ask most people in American society today what they are after and they will say something about the need for balance. Even so, balance is not the holy grail. A balanced lifestyle is not an adequate goal to which to devote our lives. This problem with this goal is not that it is too difficult, but that it is too slight. The problem with the goal of balance is that it doesn't allow much room for people in desperate situations, those who in crisis or, in, or the poor or the oppressed. At a deeper level, the paradigm of, a balance, of balance simply doesn't capture the sense of compelling urgency worthy of human devotion. It is largely a middle-class pursuit. It lacks the notion that my life is to be given to something bigger than myself, and it lacks the call to sacrifice and self-denial, the wild, risky, costly, adventurous abandon of following Jesus. And so the challenge with the complacent pace is to respond is, is, is as a response to the fatal pace is that we lose something. We lose something else. We lose the purpose and meaning that comes from hard work and responsibility and creativity. The work that we were designed for. What we find instead is emptiness. We were not meant for just the easy road, friends. Six plus one. Yes, we observe the Sabbath. Yes, we want to lean into rest. But there is also creative responsibility and missional work that Jesus calls us to. Carrie Newhoff says a sabbatical isn't the solution for an unsustainable pace. A sustainable pace is the solution for an unsustainable pace. John Tyson calls the sustainable pace a sacred pace. A sacred pace. This is the missing key. According to Terry Looper, it is walking and working with God under the leading of the Spirit. This is an invitation, the commandment, the fourth commandment of observing the Sabbath is an invitation to freedom that is found in being led by the Spirit so that we can live at a sacred pace. Jesus says this and invites us into this where he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythm of grace. It's a rhythm of grace. The question we must ask then is, what pace is the Spirit calling me to live right now in this season of life that I am currently in with my time, my talents, and my treasures, and my abilities? And how do I align my days and my weeks and my months with that current pace? Much like the runners in the Comrades Marathon, it would be a mistake to run at too fast a pace or to slower pace. Each runner in the marathon will run at a pace that is in line with their desired goal at the finish line, based on their levels of fitness or their ability. 
We are not called, friends, to run at the pace of someone else. The temptation can be to look at other people in the life of the church or in society and, and say, well, that person's a good person. I should, my life should look more like that. Sure, there are good examples and mentors and people that we can learn from in, in the community, particularly in the church. And, and, and that is wise to do so. But we need to lean into what is the Spirit of God saying to me now and how should I live in the season of my, my life? What is God calling me to do in this season and what pace should I run at? We each have a different calling. That we find ourselves in different seasons. Maybe you had young kids or old kids or empty nesters and you've got more time on your hands. Your work is hectic. Or we have different contexts. What pace is God inviting you into, into this season? A pace and a rhythm that includes work and rest. But what does that look like for you? Scripture calls us to learn how to master the art of living in step with the Spirit, no matter the context or season, so that we can live the way of Jesus for the long run. Jesus invites us, or Paul rather, in Ephesians chapter 5, to be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Discern. Ask the Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's an invitation to fill ourselves with the Spirit, turn our ear towards heaven, and allow ourselves the, the openness to receive wisdom so that we can live life at a sustainable pace. In Galatians, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Jesus lived out of a divine partnership and at a divine pace. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, he was led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, and he did the will of the Father. He was the Savior of the world, but he always had time for people. He was neither complacent nor disengaged, but he also was not running at this frantic, fatal pace that he could not sustain. When Dallas Willard was asked to summarize Jesus' posture in one word, he paused and then simply replied, relaxed. This is why Jesus is so compelling, friends. He lived freely free from the demands of the world around him, but open to what God the Father wanted him to do. He would spend the entire night healing a whole town. He would wake up the next morning and spend time with the Father, and then he'd move on to wherever the Father asked him to go. This rhythmic pattern of work and rest. Many of us are tired and burning out because we're doing things that God has not invited us to do. We are doing things with good intentions that God never asked us to do. And we're running at a fatal pace. And so we have to learn to hear the voice of the Father, recognize what he's saying to us, and then respond correctly. We need to walk with God, work with God, watch how he does it. The goal is not to run ourselves into the ground, but also not to take it so easy for the rest of our lives. We have to learn how to move against complacency and take on kingdom responsibility without overcorrecting into anxiety and burnout and overdrive. We have to find the middle ground between a fatal pace and a complacent pace. Finding the sacred pace is where we need to be. But this is not easy. We must learn that the yoke of Jesus is our yoke to carry. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, but it's not non-existent. Jesus didn't escape into monasteries. and he, he, he escaped into the presence of the Father, and then he came back to pour himself out and engage with the world. It's, that's the vision that we need to have, the six 
plus one, which is a sacred place. And I love Daryl Johnson's language of a rhythm of wholeness. Not fatal, not complacent, but sacred. This is the invitation of this command. So, let's ask ourselves the questions then. Why the commandments? To enhance and protect the freedom that God has on offer for us. Yahweh speaks the Ten Commandments to God and nurture a new quality of life for which he has set us free. And in the fourth commandment, he is protecting and guarding and nurturing our souls. He is protecting and guarding and nurturing our souls. In Matthew again, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone gain in, uh, give in exchange for their soul? The fourth commandment on Sabbath is all about living life at a sacred pace and finding rest in the fact that Jesus is in fact our Lord and our Savior. St. Augustine, he says that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Our hearts are restless until we find rest in God the Father. And so what do we do? We follow Jesus' example. We follow the example of Jesus who, yet he was doing a ton of work and implementing the, the salvation of humanity. It says that he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. He often took himself aside to be with the Father. He knew that finding rest for his soul would not be a sabbatical or a holiday somewhere. It would be coming into the presence of God in a rhythmic, weekly way to find rest for his soul. And so... As we close our time there this morning and we're going to go into a time of worship, my encouragement to us is that we would spend time in the presence of God the Father. And one of the primary ways that we can do this is either through prayer and through worship. And so I want to encourage you now as you are listening to this or watching this online, we're going to have some worship come after I finish speaking. And don't, don't just switch off, but actually take, take a moment to pause and allow the, you can either sing along or Allow the, the words and the music to play over you as you enter into the presence of God the Father through prayer. And ask the Holy Spirit, ask Him, what pace should I be running at in my life right now? What does the season of my life look like? What do I need to, maybe you're falling into the category of you need to slow down. And there's responsibilities or activities in your life that you need to simply stop doing to create space to be able to rest in the presence of God. So you ask the Spirit, in what areas do I need to slow down? Does life feel frantic? Does it feel like, yes, you're running at a fatal pace and you're on the verge of, of burnout? What I need to do to align myself with a rhythm of wholeness. Maybe you fit in the other category where it feels maybe like complacency. You ask yourself the question, do I need a bit more holy ambition in my life? Do I need to step up in a certain area of my life, take on a new responsibility, start something new? If that's the case, like, God, what do you have for me? What areas do I need to level up and, and gain some responsibility and do more? What does the season of my life look like as I lean into a rhythm of wholeness? Not taking on too much, but actually taking on enough because this is what God has for me in this season. And I just want to encourage us to allow ourselves to be open to a divine intervention in our lives, an intervention of the Spirit to, to lead us into a pace, into a rhythm that will provide freedom and wholeness, a rhythm of wholeness. 
So we're going to go into a time of worship now, and I just pray that the Spirit of God would speak to you. Uh, maybe you can find a, a quiet space in your, in your home, if you're listening to this or watching this at home, or you might be driving in your car and listening to this on a podcast. You know, just quiet in your soul and, and just ask the Spirit of God to speak to you in this moment and to reveal to you what, what does this season of my life look like and how can I lean into the invitation of the fourth command of obeying the Sabbath, but actually finding a rhythm of wholeness in my life. So Father, I just pray for everyone listening and watching this today that, that you would speak to us, Lord God, that you would reveal to us what does the season of our life look like? If Jesus was me in my life right now, what, what would be the things that he would pursue? What would be the things that he puts down? In what areas of my life can I create a space or level up to actually live into and live out the plans and purposes of God in my life? And so we lean into the invitation of freedom and wholeness that is on offer to us in the person of Jesus. And we say, thank you that we don't do this alone. Thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are here with us and that you empower us to follow Jesus with all the intention and purposes of God being released in our lives. So we say, come Holy Spirit, be with us today and speak to us. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Light Church Podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. We pray that the Lord would speak to you through His Word. For more information, you can visit our website, lightsandiego.com.